We will get one to you so you can follow along this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, where do we leave off? <laughs> I love that. 23, 26, 38, bingo. Yes. <laughs> I think it was verse 26, but I'm going to move back a few verses and get a running start this morning. So, like, such an important uh, portion of Scripture. Because the Apostle Paul is talking about our gathering together as a church family. And, uh, again, you remember from the last week, we're talking about two gifts specifically, um, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Um, And yet, as we work our way through this chapter, there's so many general principles that we need to take away um, in order that... We are, in order that we are honoring the Lord when we gather together, in order that we're doing what he wants us to do when we gather together as a church. And so God has given us gifts, correct? Spiritual gifts, right? And all, listen, all gifts are special. Because why? Because God gave you those gifts. Everyone, every one of us here, if you're a child of God, God has given you spiritual gifts. And we're learning that we are to use those spiritual gifts in order to build up one another, in order that God's kingdom would be furthered, and also that God would be glorified, that that he would be the one seen in the operation of the gifts, that we would step back and go, wow, what a great God we serve. He's so awesome. And there are some people that say the spiritual gifts are not in operation today, And I would disagree based upon what the scriptures teach us. If you're taking notes, you can check it out on your own. The book of Acts chapter 2. You remember the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost was communicating um, about the spiritual gifts, about what the the onlookers were seeing and what was happening. And he, he took them back to the book of Joel as the basis, the scriptures, the basis for the experience that was going on uh, right in their midst. And what we're told in that passage is that the spiritual gifts will continue to operate until the day of the Lord. Is it the day of the Lord yet? No. It's not the day of the Lord yet. The Lord hasn't returned for his church, for his bride. God's wrath hasn't been poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. So the gifts are in operation. The gifts are needed. They are necessary. We need those gifts. And we learned last week that we talked about tongues to begin with, right? We talked about tongues, and that's a spiritual gift um, of praise, of singing, um, of communication that goes to God. It it's, it's goes this way, and it's a, sup- it's a supernatural gift. It's a language that the person is praying or talking in that's otherwise unknown to that person. And the Apostle Paul said, I am so grateful I have the, I'm loose paraphrase, I'm so grateful I have this gift. But in the church, I would rather teach with understanding. You see, the Apostle Paul limited that gift specifically to his time, his own personal prayer and devotional time. In fact, he said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. But guess what? Y'all don't. And, and I'm bringing that up because um, it is a, tongues is a controversial topic, isn't it, today? It, was, it, it is today, and it was back then, 
also. And I think, you know, there's nothing weird about it when the gift of tongues is done biblically and in order. And, uh, and, and it's so glorious. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful gift. Um, some reject the gift because they've seen the abuses. You've been to a church where it's out of control and it's like, this is just weird. It's chaotic. And you don't want to have anything to do with it. That was my first experience with tongues, by the way. And I've shared that before. But then I saw it done biblically, um, scripturally. And I was like, man, this is an awesome gift. It's beautiful. Um, some have never searched the scriptures to see what the Bible says about this gift. It's important that we search the scriptures, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know Jesus talked about this gift? He did. He sure did. Mark chapter 16. You can scope it out yourself later. He talked about this gift being in operation. The question always comes back to is, what does God say about it? What does the Word of God say about this? And in Corinth, check this out, in the Corinthian church, tongues was a big deal. In fact, we're gonna, we learn from our text that everybody in the church was using this gift, but you know what they were doing? They were using the gift all at once. Everybody, boom, boom, you know, Mama Sam, Mama Sam, Mama Kusa, or Shonda bought a Honda from Rhonda. I mean, you just, everybody's just kind of doing this, and it's just like, what did I, an unbeliever drops in, and they're like, what? What is this? You guys are out of your minds. It was the choice gift. If you didn't have the gift, you were looked down upon. And that's a reality today, too, isn't it? There are some churches that say, listen, if you're really spiritual, you'll speak in tongues. Or they say it is the evidence that you are filled with the Spirit. And if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Spirit. Listen, that's nonsense. That's unbiblical. And it's not scriptural. Or some people say everyone must speak in tongues. Paul said, I wish you all did, but y'all don't. Because Paul was Southern. <laughs> southern Tarsus. <laughs> but Paul gives us understanding to the use of this gift. But he said the gift of prophecy is superior. In this chapter, he said the gift of prophecy is superior. Well, then we need to ask ourselves, what in the world is prophecy? Look at verse 3. We were told, weren't we? We don't have to come up with like some like definitions on our own. We are told in verse 3, what does it say? But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And so if someone's prophesying, they're speaking words that, what does edification mean? Build up. Exhortation means to stir up. And comfort means to lift up. That's how I like to remember it. Build up, stir up, and lift up. And the thing about that gift is that it doesn't need an interpreter. In fact, we're going to learn in just a minute, we can all prophesy and build one another up and stir one another up and bring comfort into one another's lives. You guys ever need comfort? You guys ever need to be stirred up? Like a little kick in the spiritual seat, so to speak? <laughs> we do, don't we? There's times we need that. There's time, we need to be built up. And strengthen. We need to be built up on our most holy faith, okay? And so I know this is a super long intro, but I think it's super important to talk about this. Because um, one gift doesn't make you better than someone else if you have it or you don't have it. All the gifts are necessary. Um, we don't want to overemphasize certain gift and discredit others and ditch others. Um, tongues is a beautiful gift. Prophecy is a beautiful gift. 
And listen, um, maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about this tongues gift. You know, maybe the Lord wants you to have it. You know, I've prayed, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I'm down, Lord. How can you pray that? Because of what Jesus said. Jesus said, you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? I believe Jesus. Lord, I believe what you give me is going to be a good thing. It's going to please you. And I can honor you with this gift. And so, very important. So, God doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning the spiritual gifts. And so, this, this chapter stresses edification, understanding, and we're going to see this morning order also. Um, God is a God of order. Correct? It's important. When we gather that there's order, understanding, learning, we're going to see all that. And above all, there's to be love. Correct? Chapter 13. Without love, none of it, none of it's worth anything at all without love. So love needs to be central. Let's, that's a long enough intro. Let's, let's, let's roll, huh? I'm going to go back to verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together, where? In one place. Isn't that interesting? The whole church gathers together in one place. The early church often met in homes. We hear about the home church and the home church movement today and, and all of that. That's great. But we see the Corinthian church, they all gathered together in one place. Remember when Paul was in Ephesus? We read about when he was in Ephesus in the book of Acts, and he rented out the school of, starts with T, rhymes with Tyrannus, school of Tyrannus, thank you. He rented out the school of Tyrannus, and everybody gathered there together. We see the entire church is gathered together in one place, and he says, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I just mentioned that a minute ago, didn't I? You come into a church, everybody is speaking in tongues. What's the uninformed or unbeliever say? You're out of your mind. You're out of your cotton-picking mind, man. <laughs> what, the, what are you people, what's going on in here? But, look at the contrast, look what it says. If all prophesy, if all speak words of edification, exhortation, and comfort to men, if all are doing that, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, what happens? He is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Isn't that amazing? So if we're prophesying, if we're speaking those words to one another, an unbeliever comes in, what happens? The Holy Spirit brings conviction, right? Brings brings a, a work into this person's life. And what do they do? Man, they fall on their face. They're broken before the Lord. And they begin to worship the true and the living God. This is an amazing thing that happens. I'm so glad it does happen. I pray that it happens here every week. That, that God works in not only unbelievers' hearts, but in the believers' hearts too. Because there's people that come to me after service and say, Pastor, who told you? Did my spouse call you? 
Did someone email you? How did you know? And I'll say, I had no clue. I'm still trying to figure out life myself. I can't figure it out. Listen, that's the Holy Spirit who loves you, who's trying to get a hold of your heart, reaching out to you again because of his care for you. But he uses, what's so beautiful is that he uses one another to do that. Isn't it a glorious thing? He would use all of us. Amazing things happen, guys, when we're a team and we work together. That's the major point that Paul's going to make here. When we're doing things together, when we're using our gifts together, when we're working as a team together, God does amazing stuff. Look at the next verse, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, and this is, so cl- this is so key right here. Let all things be done for what? Edification. In other words, how, how is this all going to roll out when you gather together? And, and by the way, in the Greek, it's continually gathered together. Do, do you guys know that God wants us to continually gather together? We're, we're warned in the book of Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. For some, that's become their, their manner. Show up Christmas and Easter only, priesters. <laughs> whatever you want to call them. He says, as you see the day approaching, as you see the Lord's return drawing closer and closer and closer, we should be gathering more and more and more. Shouldn't we? Why? To build up one another, to encourage and comfort one another. Anybody been watching the news lately? Another reason to press in together as a family, to be strengthened, so that when we do go out, we shine brightly for the Lord. That we are salt in life when we come in to get built up, to get strengthened. Let all things be done for edification. But I want to point out something. Notice what it says in that verse. He says, whenever you come together, each of you. I have it underlined, each of you. Yes, it's great when we come together to receive, to be fed, to be taught, to be instructed in the Word. But God's intention for our gathering is not just a time of of being nourished, but it's a time of participating also. It's a time of participation. To be involved. And listen, it, become, it's, it becomes more difficult as with, with lots of people in the room. It's a lot easier to manage when we're in smaller groups, home fellowships, and so forth. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But Paul viewed, this is so important, Paul viewed our time of gathering as a time for everyone to participate, to give to one another, not just to merely receive, but to pour into the lives of one another. And he said, hey, if you've got a psalm to share, is it going to build up somebody? Are you going to build somebody up with that psalm, with that revelation, with that teaching? That is to be our heart, if we are going to share, is to build up. We do, listen, in other words, we don't gather for entertainment. There's plenty of churches that you go to, you'll be entertained, okay? Are you with me? Some of you have been there, right? they got the motorcycles jumping the stages and... The prophesying parakeets in this corner or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? It's like entertainment for the goats. We are to gather for edification. 
having a heart to build someone else up. Be on the lookout to love on someone. And that's the question this morning. Am I coming to church to not only be built up, but to build up others? I can't, Pastor. Yes, you can. You're gifted. God's given you what you need. And he's given you his Holy Spirit to empower you to do that. Will you take a step of faith to do that? Rather than come solely as a consumer, become a contributor to building up others, to strengthening and encouraging others. I want, with a heart that says, I want to be a blessing to someone. I call it 2020 vision. Are you ready? Do you have 2020 vision this morning? Or are you wearing some big, thick Coke bottles? 2020 vision. Come 20 minutes before service and stay 20 minutes after. You know what happens when you do and, you, and, you're, and you're on the lookout to minister to someone and you say, Lord, I'm available. You think the Lord's going to use you? He sure will. Because there's people hurting. There's people that need to be comforted, to be lifted up, to be stirred up. Some need, again, a little, what is it? A kick in the spiritual seat, right? There's people that need to be built up. And maybe the Lord wants to use you to do that. Maybe there's someone that's considering taking their life. It's happened here before, and someone caught them before they left. Thank you, Lord. You just never know. When you go to church with that, with that heart that says, you know what? I don't want to just be built up. I want to build others up. I want to encourage and strengthen and lift up. Come a little early. Stay a few minutes after. Listen, the Costco samples will be waiting for you. <coughs> Listen, it's a big mistake to think if I'm, if I'm not on the platform, I can't minister today. Listen, that's nonsense. We should come on the lookout to minister to others, to pray for others, to help others, to meet other people, just to be a friend to others. And there's opportunity every time you come to church. And you know what happens when you do? You fulfill God's word. You're just simply being obedient to what God's called you to do and me to do. To walk in that. To fulfill his purposes. Well, look at verse 27. We're going to talk about the guidelines for um, tongues and prophecy uh, in church, the public setting. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be what? Two or at the most three. Each in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one. Why? That all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So Paul gives us guidelines, doesn't he? Concerning these two gifts, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. He begins with tongues and he says what? Look what he says to me. If tongues is going to be exercised, a spiritual gift in a gathering publicly, then it must be limited to how many? Two or three at the most. Not everyone all at once. Not here's a special portion of the service given over to prayer languages. For everyone, it's two or three. And notice with me, it's one person at a time. 
each in turn, you take turns, right? Isn't that what it says? Each in turn, there's order, and one person gives the interpretations. So you have the tongue, you wait for the interpretation. No interpretation or no interpreter, what are we, what's he supposed to do? Look what it says. No public use of the gift at the meeting. But the one with the gift, what can he do? He can pray with himself, talk privately to God, speak privately to the Lord. Listen, you know what this tells me? There's potential to build up others when this gift is used if there's interpretation. You with me still? Are you guys still in this? Awesome. It says, otherwise he needs to keep silent where? In the church. This is speaking of church meetings. This is not his own private uh, devotional prayer time. And listen, our philosophy here at Calvary Chapel, check it out. Small groups, home fellowships, sometimes Sunday evenings, we give space for the gifts and whatever God wants to do. In a smaller, more intimate uh, setting, it's more manageable rather than the main service where there's gatherings of lots of people like this. Every, listen, everyone sharing in a large group is tough. It's hard. We never get through a service, you guys. There's not time for everyone to share with one another. And the problem is no one can, no one, not no one. There's some people that don't want to, hey, okay, you got two minutes to talk. Guess how long they go. They don't go two minutes. They go 20 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? The, the I want to be heard dynamic is in effect. And so some people can't stop talking. Some people are too shy to talk or share in a large group. Um, in a small group, everyone sharing with one another is feasible. And listen, if you are in a small group, don't be afraid to make a mistake. It's a learning process for us. Listen, we do things biblically here. We study the scriptures. We have a great foundation. We always want to do things biblically. And you know what that means, though? We give room for the Holy Spirit to work if he wants to do something. And it's biblical, and it's in order, and it's edifying. Um, we want to be open to what the Lord would want to do among us. And speaking of that, look at verse 29. He says, if you have those speaking on behalf of God, it's to be limited to how many? Two or three prophets. Again, there's order. And so just as tongues is regulated, so is having a time of prophecy. There's a limit. And this is so important. I had never seen this till this week. Paul has encouraged the Corinthians about the gift of prophecy. But it's not to be the centerpiece of the public service or the public gathering together. Did you catch that? Two or three at the most. The centerpiece, the focus of congregational life, of gathering together is the word of God and worship, you guys. The gifts flow as God desires, as he pleases, at his pleasure, at his discretion, at his direction, around the focus of God's word and worship. The prophets are able to share, but notice also, let the other do what? Look at says to me. What does it say? Let the others judge what does that mean the others are judging 2.0 for delivery <laughs> illustrations are you okay 5.0 you were better on these illustrations <laughs> is that what it's talking about here no it's not what it's talking about here what the prophets communicate is to be evaluated by the leadership how is it to be evaluated 
by the word of God. We test everything, don't we? First Thessalonians says, don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast that which is Hold fast that which is good. 1 John 4, verse 1. Listen to this real quick. It's a big deal, you guys. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Did you catch that? My beloved, he says, I love you. Test everything you hear with the word of God. It needs to line up with the scripture. We, we, we test everything with the established word of God. Why? Because God will never contradict himself. Amen. If someone says to you, you know what? We need, to put on some, uh, we need to put on some pink pajamas and sit in the parking lot and wait for the Lord. You can say, time out, dude. Here's what the Bible says. Or whatever. You test everything with what you hear with the word of God. I've had people come and share prophecies with me before. And I think it's great. Thank you for sharing that with me. I tucked those away. You know what I'm saying? Those prophecies do not eclipse the word of God in my life. I want to hear from him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. There's no substitute, you guys, for reading your Bible and praying. I share that all the time. That's how you stay close to Jesus. Because there are some of us that are going to get ripped off. Sad in a group like this, there'll be some that you're listening, you're listening, and you know what? Yeah, hallelujah. And you know what? You go and then you buy some internet Kool Aid because you didn't test it with the Word of God. Or you listen to someone, some slick speaker or some dude, and he's, he's laying this stuff on you, and you never, and it sounds good, it sounds right, but you never test it with the Word of God. You ever listen to some of those phonies? It's like 90% truth and then 10%, whoa, whoa, time out. That's weird. That's a little weird, man. Well, you know what? It's, it's okay. That, 10% is okay. Really? Yep. If you came to my house and I'm making you burgers, would it be okay? 90% meat, 10% rat poison? <laughs> well, I, I have a stomach for it. I, how, about, how about a couple? You come over every day for the next month and I'll make you that. What's going to happen? You're going to get wiped out at some point. And I encourage our graduates that are going on to college, you test everything, man. Everything you hear. Whoa, whoa, time out. My Bible says this. My God says this. Don't let anyone question that. That's the, the, you know the first question in the Bible? You guys know what the first question in the Bible is? It's the questioning of God's word. Did God really say that? That was Satan speaking to Eve. She got ripped off. Adam got ripped off. Are you with me still? Amen. Test everything. Listen, what if, someone, what if you're in a meeting and someone says something that's off? Well, have you guys ever seen the pile of rocks we have right outside here? No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> they still do that? Is that? I thought we're in the New Testament. I'm just kidding. You correct them. You show them where, what the scriptures say. You give them some feedback. And so in verse 30, it says, um, if anything is revealed to another who sits by, isn't that cool that the Lord wants to reveal stuff and to show us stuff? Let the first one keep silent. So 
We keep rolling. For you can all prophesy. Did you notice that? Every one of us. For you can all prophesy. How? One by one. There's order. Why? That all may learn and all may be encouraged. Isn't that beautiful, you guys? This is, this, is so, this is so vital. Don't miss this this morning. It says every one of us can prophesy to one another. We can all build up, stir up, lift up one another with our words. It's done in an orderly manner. And why? So that others would, others would learn and receive what? What does your Bible say? You say it receive comfort and maybe encouraged. It's, listen, it's tough to let everyone get up and give a sermon. It would be totally impractical on Sundays and Wednesdays. But again, this type of communication, man, is great in a small group where everyone can share with one another before church, after church. But there's a general principle. God, listen, God is equal opportunity. He wants our gatherings to what? To involve learning and encouragement. How does God measure a successful meeting? It, it says it right there. I got tickled. I was entertained. Look what it says. That you would learn and be encouraged. That's God's measure of success. For when we gather together as God's people, that we be edified, equipped, built up, encouraged, strengthened. That we would learn. And I pray every week for you guys that that would happen. And then something else. Look at verse 32. This tells me something else. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know what that tells me? You can control yourself. You can control yourself. Because sometimes people will just go on, ramble on and on and on. And they'll be like, you know, I don't even know half the stuff I said. Really? I just, I, I, didn't, I couldn't control myself, Pastor. You gave me the opportunity to share, and I just could not control myself. And you know what I say? D- dude, no way. Why? Because the fruit of the, what's the last fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Not, you're not out of control. And some people think that if, if God gives me the gift of tongues, I may be in line at HEB, and all of a sudden I'm going to be... Shonda bought a Honda from Rhonda now. I'm in the middle of my business meeting and all of a sudden, brrr, listen, the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You're going to be okay. Are you with me? G- listen, G- I love this. Jesus gives us built, built-in protection concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. If you're taking notes, Jesus teaches us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen, when when there's something attributed to the Holy Spirit, it will look like Jesus. It will glorify Jesus. It'll be in line with his character and nature. I encourage you to go study that for yourself. Don't trust me. Listen, don't trust me. You search the scriptures yourself. Are you with me? You check it out. And then verse 33, great verse. For God is not the author of confusion, but of what? 
peace as in all the churches of the saints. Let me just share this. The Lord doesn't want confusion in his church. Real simple. If there's confusion, if there's disorder, if there's chaos, if there's weirdness, guess what? It's not of God. It's off track. It's out of line, man. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of what? What does it say? Of peace. When we gather together, there should be peace here. I know some of you, all you get in the world is drama. Some, for some of you, your home life, it's all drama. At work, it's drama. It's chaos. When you come to church, there should be peace here. How does that happen? Well, we read. There's learning. There's encouragement. There's edification. There's understanding. And at the bottom line, there's love flowing in our lives. God's church, listen, it should, this should be a reality in God's church. There should be peace. It, not should, there must be peace here. And I love that when people do come and experience the peace of God. And it's Him. Because they're coming in contact with the risen Lord who loves us. All right, verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Let's just, we're out of time to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what it says up there? Let you, yeah, we can just. <laughs> this is good. I love this. Controversial stuff today. Tongues. I, one of my daughters was like, Dad, are you going to teach that this morning? <laughs> yeah, it's God's word. And you guys know, we go through verse by verse. There's no, like, bobbing and weaving certain verses and, you know, rope-a-dope, you know? It's like, God says what he means, and he means what he says. Well, what does he mean here? Let's, let's read the verses, and then we'll go back. You dudes, don't be doing one of these. With your spout. Highlight this, baby. <laughs> Let your women keep silent. In, where? In the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. Why? For it is shameful for women to speak in the church. Again, context is order. Okay? The church at Corinth was out of order. There was chaos. We also learned a few chapters back that the men, and there was a lack of male leadership in the church, and possibly there was unruly gals wanting to throw off the biblical order that God has established, not only in the church, but at home. Check this out. Let your women keep silent. It does not mean that women cannot speak in church at all. How do we know that? If you go back to chapter 11, not now, check it out later, the Apostle Paul tells us that women were allowed to pray or prophesy under the authority of the church leaders. Check this out, Acts 21. You guys remember Philip, the evangelist? How many daughters did he have? 
Four daughters, it says Acts 21, verse 9, four daughters that prophesied. Isn't that beautiful? I pray that all my, da- my three daughters would prophesy. And my bride, four of them. That when you come in contact with them, you know what they're saying to you? Words that build up, words that stir up, words that lift up. That's available for every one of us. Are you with me still? We know women are called to teach women. Titus 2. Women, it says, gals would be under God's arrangement, submitted to his plan, just as the law says. God is a God of order. We find God-given limitations laid out for the women in 1 Timothy 2 and 3 and Titus 1 and 2. Both passages speak of male leadership and authority in the church. Our God-given role as men in the church is to lead. And, and that takes a work of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it, men? Because we, I don't think, for, for me, and I'm learning this in 20 plus years in ministry, that men are not natural leaders. We'd rather chill out on the couch. Women are the best leaders, by the way. I have no doubt in my mind, the, le- the women in this church that are leaders, they would do a way better job than me and our elders. But that's not the order that God has prescribed. And doesn't it take a work of the Holy Spirit, gals, to say, go for it, dude. <laughs> you lead. It does. It takes a work of the Spirit. It's, it takes trusting the Lord. But what happens when we each do play our role? What happens? Isn't it beautiful? It's harmonious. Correct? Are you with me? You guys ever been to a, like an orchestra or a... Um, you know, when they, you know when they play together, the orchestra? You guys at the symphony, you ever gone before when they're warming up? And they're not playing together? Doesn't sound very good, does it? But when everybody's play, doing their part, playing their role, right? And the guy's do, waving the stick. Does, did he need to go to school for that? <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Gals, you're looking to grow spiritually, you want to learn something, or you got questions concerning the Bible study, guess who you need to ask? <gasps> you need to He doesn't know nothing, Pastor. <laughs> Supposo. Absolutely. He needs to grow. He needs to be challenged. The idea is it's an embarrassment for gals to speak out during the church service to interrupt. I think in in that time, in ancient time, it still happens in India, they separate the the men from the women in the room. And so what would happen is possibly the women are like, what in the world is this pastor talking about? And they yell across the room to their husband, what's he saying? What's he talking about? And then all of a sudden the service is disrupted, it's interrupted. That may be a, a possible um, interesting possibility. But can I, can I point something out here? Something absolutely important for us this morning. Paul is reinforcing some things here. Number one, God's order in the home, in the church. Number two, Paul is promoting good, godly conversation in the home. You know what else? You know what else? He, Paul is exhorting men. Listen, men. There is no excuse for biblical illiteracy. 
Let me challenge us this morning with that. As men, we are to lovingly lead. We are to study to show ourselves approved. To love and edify not only those in our home, but those in the church. We are to be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? There's no off season. Well, what if you don't, I don't have a husband? Then come act, ask the pastoral staff here. You have a question. You can come and ask. And people ask me after church sometimes too. I, last week, I don't know if she's here. She was like, well, pastor, what does this mean in this verse? I'm like, you need to go ask your husband. What? <laughs> yeah, you need to go ask him. Because it causes us to dig deep into the word. To learn our Bibles. Well, Paul ends, we finish the chapter. How are we doing on time? We good? That new clock, I don't even know what time it is, man. It's got like, what's that mean, like one hour left? <laughs> Paul, Paul's got some sanctified sassiness here. Look at this. He's like, or did the word of God come originally from you? Did you pen God's perfect, inerrant, infallible word? Or was it you only that it reached? Do you have the corner market on truth? What Paul's saying is it's not about you. What seems good to you, you're not God. God's word dictates what we do, how we do it. We have no right to make up whatever we want to do. He goes on to say, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Isn't this interesting what he says? If you think you're a prophet, if you think you've been called to speak on behalf of God, or you think you're spiritual, because the Corinthians thought they were spiritual, didn't they? They thought they had the corner market, again, corner market on spirituality. And here's the deal about that. You can be gifted off the Richter, and you can be immature as all, all get out. Just because you're gifted spiritually doesn't mean you are mature in your walk with the Lord. This church, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we know they had all gifts flowing and, and working in their lives. But Paul said, you're carnal, you're still babes. Because there's division and fighting going on. And Paul's like, listen, if you think you're spiritual, then you need to say amen to what's been communicated. Because this is God's word, his commandments. If you, in other words, if you disagree with what I'm saying, Paul says, you're not hearing from God. I, listen, I personally, I don't want to explain away anything that he's saying or twist it. Because there's people that twist the word. Here's what the word says, gang. I don't want to disagree with what God says. This is what his word says. You want to remain stuck on stupid? Then remain that way, he says. That's a great principle. You want to remain dug in, disagree, fight over it, then stay dug in. If you disagree with God's word, be ignorant. Fine, Paul says. I'm not going to try to fight you or fix you. Be, be ignorant. That's a great, isn't that great? <laughs> great application for us. Look at as he finishes. Therefore, brethren, he sums it all up. Desire earnestly or continually be zealous to what? To prophesy. It's all of us. Speak those words that build up and stir up and lift up. Be, desire that. Why? Because you'll bring a blessing to many people. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. 
He says to the church, don't prevent people from speaking in tongues. Make sure it's regulated. This gift has a place in the church life, but primarily it's to be used in your devotional life, Paul said. And then let all things be done. How? Decently and in order. Continually. It means continually exercise the gifts. How? Decently means respectably, honorably, and in order. Proper array, not out of control. Let me just remind us this morning. Church shouldn't be a noisy, confusing mess. Are you with me? If we take away anything this morning... When we gather together, it should be a time of learning and encouragement, of being built up, edified, equipped. Part of my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4, that you're equipped as you go out from here. Again, that you would shine for Jesus, that you would be salt and light, that the Lord would use your life not only in the church, but in your community, in your home, in the neighborhood. And how do we do that? It's by the word of God. God's speaking to our hearts. And now we need to take what we've learned and say, Lord, I'm available. Use my life. Like Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did he say? He was broken. Woe is me. He got a fresh view of the Lord. He was broken. Woe is me. And then the Lord cleansed him. And then he heard the voice of the Lord. What did the Lord say? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And what did Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm down. And what you find when you do, when you step out, you take that step of faith... You know who's going to meet you right there? The Lord is. He's going to empower you and strengthen you. He will give you what you need to be successful in what he's called you to do. He's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. This special time that you've allowed us to have to be together. I, I pray, Lord, that my brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart, God, and that they truly would be encouraged and edified and comforted. And that in turn, that they would be those that edify and encourage and comfort others. we would experience um, your special work, that you'd get the glory. Thank you so much for the privilege of serving you, of being your kiddos, being a family. May our church family, may this gathering bring you honor. May you be exalted. This morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we've considered God's word this morning, as heads are bowed or eyes are closed. Perhaps you've come this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. It's not an accident that you're here. The Lord loves you so much. 
He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for your sins and mine. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day. And he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This morning, you recognize he's calling you. He's calling you to follow him, to trust him, to believe on his name. And you want to respond this morning. If that's you, I would love to pray with you, to lead you in a simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your heart. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand, and I'm going to pray with you this morning. Real simple. Even a child can understand. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. When you take your last breath here, where you're going to go. The Bible says, He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. Is there anyone this morning who's saying, Yeah, Mike, I want to open my heart to Jesus? Anyone at all? bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. I see your hand, buddy. Anyone else this morning? For these two that have lifted up their hands and opened up their hearts, you can pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me, cleanse me? Would you make me new? Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back those sins anymore I surrender to you this day Lord Jesus we thank you for these two precious ones we know there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents and so may we rejoice with those who rejoice thank you behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God and that is what we are we're so grateful made us a family. You've made us your own. Thank you that you're coming, Lord Jesus. May we be about your business, bringing you glory. And it's in your precious and your holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So awesome. I, I hope that never gets like old for anyone when someone receives Jesus. It is a miracle being taken from death to life, the new life that God has for you. So be praying for those that have raised their hands this morning. Um, For those that did raise their hands, we want to help you in your journey with Jesus. And Anthony in the back of the room with the white shirt has a Bible for you and wants to help you, uh, pray for you, and help you in your journey with the Lord. May the Lord bless you guys. Have an awesome week in Jesus' name.
Lord, for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning, Lord. And we ask that you would help us, Lord, to do all.